0: The Golden Age is our title in this these segments of Football History Rewind's library, and it appropriately ends with the 1930 college football season. 1930 was an end of an era in football history. Not only was it the final season in the decade of the 1920s, but it's also the final year for a football legend, Newt Rockne. Unbeknownst to anyone but the creator, would he would coach his final season in 1930, a season considered by many to be his masterpiece. We have more on this story of 1930 and Newt Rockne coming up in just a
1: moment. This is the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the anniversaries of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis. Your host, Darren Hayes, is podcasting from America's North Shore to bring you the memories of the gridiron one day at a time. So as we come out of the tunnel of the Sports History Network, let's take the field and go no huddle through the portal of positive gridiron history with pigskindispatch.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com.
0: Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Welcome once again to the Pigpen, your portal to positive football history. And welcome to another edition of the Football History Rewind. This is part number 66, and we will be talking about the 1930 college football season. Before we chat about that uh, great season in football history, let's make sure that you are aware of all of our football history. We have something coming out all the time during the week. Uh, each and every day we have something new and we would love to share it with you. One way to do it for you to be informed is to join our newsletter. Really easy to sign up for. Go to the show notes of this very podcast or the top of pigskindispatch.com. You'll know everything that's going on in the pig pen. That's Pigskind Dispatch, Jersey Dispatch, Orville Mulligan Sports Rider, and more. Uh, more of the, the things that are going on here in the pig pen and yesteryear hub and sports history network we'd love to share it with you and uh, one way for us to do that is to share it each and every day in that newsletter six thirty a.m so sign up in the show notes today now a testament to the glory of notre dame football in the 1930 season starts in illinois of all places before the start of the 1927 season northwestern head coach Dick Hanley held a coaching clinic then, and more than 100 high school coaches attended. They were so impressed with his teachings that the following year, they sent him 36 All-State superstars to play for the Wildcats in 1930. Needless to say, Northwestern was loaded. And it was all because of that, that nice clinic that the coach, high school coaches so respected and you know encouraged their players to go play there. Now this team of studs breezed through the opponents on the 1930 schedule and did not have a game where they did not score at least three touchdowns during this run of success. Now the final game, however, was against the defending champions. Yes, you guessed it, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. The Irish were also undefeated coming into this contest against Northwestern. This was a pivotal game. This is one that everybody had been watching all season long, marking on their calendar, saying, this is the game you gotta see. Now, Newt Rockney, the head coach of the Fighting Irish, was well aware of the high-powered offensive attack of the Wildcats. And he decided, you know, the strategist that he was, to employ a strategy of field position that was performed probably better than he ever expected it to. Rockney had a man on his team named Leroy Mills one of the most gifted kickers of all time a tutor to the Irish kicker all-american Frank Cardeo, and the art of coffin corner punts the time was well spent as Cardeo placed punts out of bounds inside the two-yard line four times during this uh, Northwestern game can imagine that starting four times inside your two-yard line now Leroy Mills had a punting theory that he taught Cordeo and others. The former Princeton kicker disliked the long spiral kicks most commonly used in football. Mills taught his students to punt the ball from the insteps of the foot, sending the ball only about 35 yards in the air in an end over end fashion. And the kicks may only travel a mere 35 yards in the air, but they also tended to bounce in a straight line even further due to the ball rotation. He put a little English and spin on it. And that added distance to the kicks as long as they were not fielded. His other philosophical theory on kicks was to simply, quote, kick them where they ain't, unquote, thus employing a directional tactic to his pupils. And also, before they boot the ball, monitor where the receiver is deep for the punt. Interestingly enough, Mills was also the master of the drop kick, During the cold winter months, Mills would practice inside gymnasiums. One drill in particular would draw crowds as he would drop kick footballs through the basketball hoops from center court. That takes some skill. And for the encore of these sessions, he would turn around and drop kick the football one after another through the hoop at the opposite end of the court. Can't say that he was uh, glued into one goal there for the basketball. Now, Northwestern could still move the ball on the Irish despite the, four, the poor field position that they had. They amassed an astounding 350 to 40-yard offensive advantage in the first 55 minutes of the game over Notre Dame. But they couldn't score. Can you imagine that? And, you know, All but five minutes of the game, they have 350 yards. The Notre Dame offense has 40 yards. But... The reason was the Wildcats twice fumbled the ball away inside the Notre Dame five-yard line and lost the game, 14 to nothing. Wow, five or two times being inside the five, coughing the ball up, Notre Dame recovering, squelching any opportunity for the Northwestern Wildcats to win that ball game. Well, this sort of has a happy and sad ending to it. Rockney's squad went on in the next game, defeated a tough army team 7-6, and then they blew out USC in the season finale 27 to nothing. This would be Newt Rockney's final football game he would ever coach. It wasn't that he stepped down, because Notre Dame repeated as the national champion. The Dickinson C- system, they chose the Irish as the top team, and number one position for the Irish was also Uh, by the other three contemporary major selections of that era, the Boned, Dunkel, and Holgate systems. The legendary football innovator Newt Rockne would die in a plane crash in March of 1931 near Bazaar, Kansas. He's still remembered for many things. His impeccable record, 105 wins, 12 losses, 5 ties, which was an 881 win percentage over that time in his career at the helm of Notre Dame in his speeches, his innovations of the wide open offense and a platoon system of mass substitutions. He's also responsible for spreading offensive tackles out further to get a better angle on defense events. He was a person who cared about the game of football, winning, and most of all, he cared about his players. He lived by a creed that was inspired by his favorite poetic prayer. And it goes something like this, Lord, in the battle that goes on through life, I ask but a field that is fair, a chance to be equal with all the strife, the courage to strive and to dare. And if I should win, let this be my code, my courage and honor held high. But if I should lose, let me stand by the road and cheer as the winners go by pretty sound advice and uh you can see why that was a favorite of new rockney and he really he lived that way and his teams played that way now there was a postseason rose bowl matchup you know notre dame's number one and it featured two unbeaten teams the nine and O records of washington state and alabama they were ranked number two and three respectively going into that Rose Bowl game. We have some great coverage on it on our Rose Bowl section of Football History We have a link to it in the uh, accompanying uh, article that goes with this uh, podcast. You can find it in the show notes for the link to it. And it'll link you to that Rose Bowl uh, game in 1931. And Alabama won the Pasadena contest 24 to nothing, but we have more details in our, our chat that we, on our Rose Bowl coverage. The NCAA also adopted a rule before the 1930 season, which still stands in football today. In this revision, all offensive players had to stop for one second before the snap. The rule helped create a level playing field between the offenses and defenses by disallowing teams in possession to quick snap the football, thus giving them a very distinct advantage over their counterparts. So that's why you see today, you know, the offense comes out of the huddle or they line up every at some point they have to pause for a second all 11 players before any man can go in motion before any shift if they do shift they have to pause another second and before the ball snapped and that's that's that pause that one second rule 1930s when that came in and uh almost 100 years later it still stands today So in conclusion, the season was beautiful and tragic at the same time in in retrospect. You know, Rockne was a maestro in full control of the music of the game of football in the 1920s. He was at his peak as a coach, leading the Irish to the consecutive national titles as the decade of the Roaring Twenties ended. The Great Depression, the passing of Coach Rockne, and the change in football's wind made the season the end of the golden age of football as it's known and ushered in a whole new era for the game in that 1931 college season now we're going to get to that in a couple weeks a couple football history rewinds from now in between next week we are going to talk about the 1930 professional football season as football history rewind continues with part number 67 so stay tuned for that and uh make sure you know you subscribe to this podcast subscribe to that newsletter you'll know right when it comes out you know special thanks uh, to the a book called football a college history by the author Perrin. newspapers.com and retroseasons.com for the information and the inspiration that keeps us going and most of all we want to thank you for listening and enjoying this history uh, if you have any feedback to send us we'd sure love to have it you can send it to dispatch at gmail.com. And uh, like I said, until next time, everybody, have a great, great your day. Peeking up at the clock, the time's running down. We're going to go into victory formation, take a knee, and let this baby run out. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you back tomorrow for the next podcast.
1: on your favorite podcast provider multiple times each week. So remember that Darren Hayes, the host of the Pigskin Dispatch and Jersey Dispatch Podcast. It's found right here on the Sports History Network.